Good morning, dear listeners. Today in the studio of Mushtar FM 89.6 with you are Francesca and Sasha. And we're starting our program on U.S. immigration policy in terms of a world politics program. This topic remains a mystery to me. How people who illegally cross the border or remain to live illegally in the United States survive, overcome obstacles, sometimes living in a fear and waking up perhaps every day with the thought that they might be detained. People who have no room for error in the U.S., people who live without documents, those are illegal immigrants. This is what will be the subject of our discussion in today's show. Together with Francesca, we'll discuss the reasons why many are ready to do anything in order to move to the United States, their motives, and take a look at the current situation with migrants and their prospects in the United States. I would like to start about this topic, saying that immigration is a general phenomenon that interests me because um, it affects the whole world. And, uh, for example, I'm Italian and Europeans, I know, who have been dealing with uh, the situation in the Mediterranean for years are well aware of this uh, topic. But um, as I said, it's a global phenomenon that affects the whole world. And uh, I think that um, politics are doing something, but it's not enough. And personally, I'm not a fan of America in the sense mm -hmm. that uh, I don't know much about American politics. I know it in relation, for example, uh, to events concerning it about you know, European uh, uh, questions or, or other topics, uh, but not in specific uh, American politics. But today, me and Sasha um, want to try to offer uh, you listeners uh, an overview of the phenomenon of the immigration legal and illegal immigration in um, in America. And um, the important thing is that we always uh, have to remember that we cannot reason with people in the same way we would reason with uh, money or other no other inanimate objects. And they are these people are still people. So we have to uh, remember these uh, things. Each year, millions of people from countries around the world come to the United States, ranging from tourists visiting for a couple of weeks to workers coming for a job to refugees escaping persecution. And the number of people coming to the U.S., where they come from and why they come has changed significantly over the time. But Francesca, why do people from all over the world want to come to the U.S.A.? Okay, um, I will start um, talking about in general about immigration to the United States of America. This phenomenon um, is an international scope that has led residents on every continent to settle in the nation since the early years of the pioneering era. Immigration has been the main source of U.S. demographic and political growth and has largely contributed to the cultural enrichment of U.S. history. The history of immigration to the United States can be divided into four periods. The colonial era, the mid-19th century, the first two decades of the 20th century, and post-1965. Each area has distinguished itself from the others for the reasons that prompted people to emigrate and for the different ethnic groups involved in the mass movements. The mid-19th century was the protagonist of mass integration from countries of Central, Northern and Western Europe, for example Germany, Ireland, while the early 20th century is characterized by the arrival of Southern and Eastern Europeans, such as Italy, Eastern countries. Strong immigration from Asian, China, India and Latin American, Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala and Honduras countries began again in 1965. From 1836 to 1914, over 30 million Europeans emigrated to the United States. But the issue of immigration, legal and illegal, and of Asylum seekers is feeling a heated conflict politician in the United States for decades, as on the other end in the European Union, and invest directly the relationship that this country has with the countries of Latin America, to begin with from Mexico. Following the long-term choices of American foreign policy toward these countries, a various circle has been created that fits on itself. 
the United States support dictatorial regimes or authoritarian democracy that block any change in genuinely democratic sense, imposing on the majority of populations, in large part peasants of the Mayan ethnic groups, a life characterized by social exclusion, ignorance, unemployment, poverty and violence. These populations respond by giving rise to movements of resistance and struggle also armed, but also with a mass exodus to the United States. The Biden administration has climbed to want to address the structural problems that cause this exodus. Now it comes to see if the statements will follow the fact and if indeed American foreign policy, it will support the progressive forces that in the country of Central America are fighting for democracy and justice, social and food security, personal and collective. As for the reasons in general for the migration issue, they are of various kinds. Many reasons are, I don't know, we can call them voluntary reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, reason of work, of study, positive reasons. Mm-hmm. I remember the expression, the American dream. Oh, very the- famous expression. Everyone says, I came in the... LA to pursue my American dream. Yeah. To change my life. And mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And the origin of the American dream comes from the departure from the models of the old world. The development of the Industrial Revolution created the possibility of improving one's social condition. Many of the first USA entrepreneurs headed west to the Rocky Mountains. The American dream was a primary factor not only in the mid-19th century, gold rush, but also in the successive waves of immigration that characterized that century and the next. For example, in Europe, crises such as the Great Irish Famine pushed many of the poorest Europeans to emigrate to America. In the mid-19th century, a considerable number of emigrants from China and Japan arrived in the United States, all in search of the American dream. This phenomenon led to the formation of many Chinese networks, so the, the so-called Chinatowns, in major cities such as San Francisco and New York. As the 20th century approached, the great personalities of the industry became the new icons of the American dream. So, the 19th century emigrants filled the monarchies of West Europe, while the US economy was built by people who were consciously free from such constraints. Those arriving in the new world also carried with them the hope of equality. In what is perhaps his most famous speech, I have a dream, Martin Luther King names the American dreams. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. These were the words of Martin Luther King. The American dream has always been one of the main causes of the arrival of emigrants in America. Through its history, America has been a place of opportunity for entrepreneurs from other parts of the world. With the advent of the 20th century, the American dream began to attract a substantial number of emigrants from, we say, Eastern and Southern Europe. The wave of immigration continued until the outbreak of the First World War. After the conflict, nativist sentiment led to a restriction of immigrant regulations, which continued until to the entry into force of the Immigration and Nationality Services Act of 1965, the new law that allowed immigration to resume on a larger scale. The American dream seems to continue to exert its appeal in many other nations. The United States remains a magnet for immigrants, to this day, welcoming 1 million legally recognized newcomers each year, the largest immigration stream in the world. Anyway, if in past generations that emigrants were mostly Europeans, most of today immigrants came from Asia and Latin America. So the most of immigrants come from Central America, South America and Asian countries. Asian countries today, yes. And ultimately, the American dream, just to sum up, maintains a core 
set of beliefs, right? So it's um, the right to certain freedoms that enable everyone, every individual to pursue a life of success and happiness. And what success and happiness mean to one person is not necessarily what they mean to another. And I think that's uh, why people move to America, as you said, looking for that American dream, having that knowledge that America affords them the opportunity to pursue it freely, like freedom, democracy, those things uh, always come to you when you hear America, mm-hmm. American dream, freedom and liberty. But I guess this is not always um, the only reason why people come because that would be easier for sure. And life is not that one-sided, I'm sure. It's not only positive sides, but negative as well. Yes, of course, because there are other causes of the arrival of many immigrants in America. And among them, the flight from persecution and or war and poverty. We must remember that Latin America and the Caribbean remain the most unequal region in the world. According to the Gini Index, the regional average of inequality uh, in is 16% higher than Europe and 11% higher than China and even 4% higher than the African average. So we have to remember this uh, point. And um, before I start to talk about other reasons, I would like to start with an imagine. I remembered of the so-called walk of the migrants. The march, it was in the march of the 7,000 to America in 2018. And I remember a river of people and they had left San Pedro Sula in Honduras to walk over 2,500 kilometers across Guatemala, Mexico, and try to in- enter to the United States. They came from Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, the so-called North Triangle of Central America, one of the most dangerous areas in the world. Many of them were parents with young children who sought a better life away from violence and the lack of opportunities in their countries of origin. But um, in the countries of Central America, there has been a flow of migrants who in various waves have sought escape, setting off towards the United States. Millions of people have fled their countries to save themselves and try to rebuild a dignified life for themselves and their families as asylum seekers and irregular and regular workers in the USA. Uh, This was one of the most visible effects of the application of the Reagan Doctrine. In fact, in Central America, the Reagan Doctrine involved support for dictatorial regimes, friends of the USA, engaged in international drug trafficking and in dirty wars against civilization populations. Wars that lasted over a decade during the which hundreds of thousands of people have been killed, largely by the army and squadrons of death supported by large local landowners. The Reagan Doctrine put it first place the war against the communist guerrillas of the popular national liberation movements, a line of action that in the last four decades, Republican or Democratic presidents, has never been substantially changed. In this sense, not surprising that in 1996 in the United States, a new immigration law was introduced with the aim of counteracting illegal immigration and accelerate the expulsion of foreigners and false asylum seekers. Statistics from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection show that border crossing have dropped significantly from all-time heights in the early 21st century. But the number of families, parents with their children, coming from the Central America, fleeing poverty and violence and that they try to enter by applying for asylum. Nearly 133 million of people had been stopped by border agents on the Mexican border in May 2019, sending the security system into chaos. First, reception identification with Mexico temporarily hosting a large part of asylum seekers waiting to obtain a permit from the USA. However, in the 2018, nearly 400 million undocumented people were arrested, accused of having 
entered illegally in the United States, while in 20, in 2000, there were more than 1.6 million people. Currently, the most recent immigrants in the United States are about 43 million. 4 million are Chinese in origin, equal to 13% of the population, which becomes 26% if we consider the children born in American land. But immigration workers, both legal and illegal, contribute 11% to the U.S. economy. In fact, agriculture, construction and the diverse service sector largely depend on recent immigrants, many of them undocumented. Nearly 12 million people, from especially from Mexico and Central America. Illegal immigrants are very important on the plane economic, since they contribute in state and local taxes annually and help keep the social security system afloat, even if they have little or no chance of being able to tap into the fund itself. But Trump felt that immigration is a privilege and not a right, and fought for try to impose a reform of the immigration system aimed at reducing the number of regular immigrants who can enter the USA every year by 50%, 1.1 million citizens in the 2016, justifying it with the aim of producing an increase in work wages Americans. Trump would have liked to set up a much more selective reception system. People should have been selected on the base of skills, income, educational qualifications, age, knowledge of the English languages, etc. Cutting out the weakest subject, such as the Mayan peasants of Central America, not only poor, but often even illiterate, and excluding reunions family members. The Trump administration bypassed Congress by introducing a new regulation in August 2019, which concerned the hundreds of thousands of immigrants entering legally in the country each year and apply to become permanent residents, stipulating that they should have shown that they had the economic means to sustain themselves and not become a burden on public finances. A regulation that, according to the Advocacy Association of Migrants, could have cut half of legal immigration, denying visas and residency permanent to hundreds of thousands of people because they are too poor. Temporary or permanent visas, green cards, would be rejected if applicants did not meet income standards sufficiently high or if they had received public assistance such as welfare, food stamp or public housing. In comparison to previous presidents, uh, Trump declared zero tolerance policy, which intended to ramp up actually primarily criminal prosecutions of people caught entering the United States illegally. Also, soon afterwards, after the announcement of this new policy, news outlets began to report that unauthorized immigrants' parents traveling with their children were being criminally prosecuted and separated from their children. And altogether, nearly 3,000 children were separated from their parents before President Donald Trump signed an executive order on June 20, halting family separation. But the order, however, stated that the zero-tolerance policy would continue. The family separation policy and treatment of families coming to the U.S. has generated considerable public attention and outrage. The zero-tolerance policy underlined the crisis and the abuses accompanying mass criminal prosecutions of immigrants, however, has received less attention, actually. So I guess the Biden administration now tries to reunite the families who were separated uh, under the Trump administration. It's a very good question. Why do Americans or American government want to put such a strict system in um, order to control common people into the U.S.? Because there is one thing that we can emphasize, that I would emphasize, is was the attack on September 11, 2001. Of course, certainly it didn't start the country's immigration debate, but it did alter 
the course of the discussion because I've heard stories of people who came in 2001. It, it wasn't actually the best period for obtaining a visa because previously people could enter the U.S. with visitors touristic visa and then apply for a longer stay and it was normal practice actually but after uh, 9-11 the Bush administration tried to see immigration enforcement as a way to fight terrorism when every immigrant could be labeled as um, not friend and um, while Immigration policy has certainly differed during the Bush and Obama presidencies. I will talk about Obama later. We take a look at some of the most significant changes to the immigration system since the 2001. And of course, you know, <laughs> this is a topic that could fill up volumes, but we can only touch some of these aspects. In 2002, President Bush passed the Homeland Security Act, creating an umbrella entity charged with keeping the U.S. safe from future terrorist attacks. Uh, it's a new department, and this new department would oversee a range of agencies, including those dealing with immigration. It's called U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Short is ICE. <laughs> Interesting abbreviation. And there are even more following agencies that would control the migration and um, border, including border control and border protection. And American government invests huge sums of money in those organizations. Uh, it comes from federal funding as well. And uh, with those eyes, immigration and customs informants, due to that, number of immigrant removals, including deportations and so-called voluntary departure has increased, of course. One reason for this increase in deportations is the growth in the undocumented population. But another is the increased spending on border security. Well, it's an interesting uh, thing to note. Deportations have doubled in the last decade, but criminal deportations have increased at much higher clip. But you know what? The most interesting thing that there is a debate, are those people who just once crossed the border and entered the U.S. illegally, even uh, fleeing from violence, were just looking for a better life, are they criminals just because they took this decision? Because when we compare the figures, we can say, yeah, that the people who were uh, detained, deported, the number of it is increasing. But many of those deported have never actually been convicted of a crime since simply being charged with the crime is grounds for deportation. And uh, of those who have been convicted, the crime may have been minor or nonviolent, including a prior immigration infraction or drug possession. For instance, the Obama administration claims that more of the people they're deporting have been convicted of a criminal violation, although another data says that that may be not true, because what they mean by a criminal violation is someone arrested bicycling on the sidewalk. Can you really define everything as a criminal? It's like, person who once entered the country and lives undocumented and because of that cycling on a sidewalk now it's a criminal who had to be separated from the family and uh, deported to, for example back to Mexico and those people might have been living in the USA their entire life and they say okay now I have to build a completely new life and find a house or home in Mexico which I never had and this might be seen as a um, trick that administration uses to get rid of people so that they can charge them for every little thing they do. That's why many of them leave scared of being discovered or of committing like a little mistake because they pay a really high price for that. But no matter how sad it might sound, people who once fled 
their homes in search of a new life and living in the United States for 10, 15 years risk being left home and running their lives overnight. If you're interested, there are several documentaries on Netflix as well about the ICE activities, what they perform, what is their job, and another series um, about families who went through different stages from you know, hiding to being deported. And it's called Living Undocumented, where they share their ideas, thoughts, and fears about their future and uh, current life as well. But if we turn to the core of the question, right, there are a lot of countries in the world, and for many of them, we also need visas. And there are for sure legal ways to enter the U.S. and then possibly obtain a green card. And uh, this is what I would like to outnumber now, just to have a quick review of which possibilities people theoretically might have, right? So um, I think the most popular is family-based immigration. The largest group to enter the U.S. by far comes by way on family-based immigration. U.S. citizens and legal residents can bring foreign spouses or fiancés as well as unmarried children. They may also sponsor siblings who are 21 years old or older and parents. Okay, so you should at least have someone in America and maybe then it works for you. Another way is through work visa. Employers can sponsor a foreign worker with specialized skills if they can find a qualified candidates in the USA. There are several types of work visas. Some are for a specific period of time after which the foreign worker must return to his or her country of origin or longer term visas. These kind of visas are very common in Silicon Valley, where there is a high demand for engineers and computer science experts and just talented IT specialists, I guess. If you're not Elon Musk or (laughs) (laughs) outstanding engineer, probably that's not going to work for you. Number three is a student visa. I think it's clear here you can get it for academic or non-academic programs. And um, of course, people with this visas face certain limitations if they wish to stay permanently in the U.S. And um, they have some limitations on working activities as well. But it's another question. Very interesting that I guess the U.S. is the only country which has a visa lottery. Does Italy have a visa lottery? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of a green card lottery. One of the more unique ways of entering the U.S. is through the Diversity Visa Lottery Program. Every year, the government gives out 50,000 visas randomly to people who live in countries with low immigration numbers to the U.S. So uh, it's very interesting. I've never heard of a country which just gives you a chance to immigrate because you want it. And not because you deserve this. (laughs) Of course, there is a path for people who invest money in the USA. Foreign entrepreneurs who invest at least $500,000 in a business and create at least five full-time jobs are eligible for an immigrant investor visa. Do we have that amount of money? No, we don't. So at least for us, family, we don't, I don't have anyone in America. I am not a talented engineer. I'm not a current student and I'm sure I don't want to study anymore. I didn't apply for lottery or I didn't win it. I don't have $500,000 to invest. And well, the last option is asylum seekers, which is, thanks God, also not my case. But as we said before, People may also show up at the U.S. port of entry and seek asylum if they can prove they have been or could be prosecuted in their home country because of their race, religion, nationality, participation in a certain social group, or because of their political opinions. And anyone who seeks the same protections from outside the U.S. is considered a refugee. Anyone who is illegally in the U.S. can also seek asylum protection. But the list is, uh, I cannot say short, 
but I cannot say that there are many options for ordinary people to come to America, right? Yeah. For example, in my case, I um, I didn't think uh, to reach uh, America because uh, for me it's a close opportunity. It's not for everyone, no. In order to you say the uh, big amount of money or uh, study reasons or mm-hmm. no every reasons of that, but <laughs> yes, just for me, <laughs> it's not a, a real opportunity. To reach uh, uh, America. Yeah, it's very far away, <laughs> actually. But you know what? What shocked me the most when I was preparing for this program is I was initially very interested in that topic because it's very complex. And I also wondered why those people just cannot come in an illegal way after searching for a lot of um, information and coming across uh, different study surveys, articles. I found out why it's not so easy. And many people wonder why all immigrants, almost all, <laughs> do not just come to the United States legally or simply just apply for citizenship while living there without authorization. And these suggestions miss the point. There is no line available for current unauthorized immigrants and the regular channels are largely not available to prospective immigrants who end up entering the country through unauthorized channels. Okay, so by unauthorized immigrants, I mean people who do not have papers or illegal immigrants because we know that Basically, they live in the shadow and they stay in the shadow for a, a long period of time. Even though most unauthorized immigrants have lived in the USA for nearly 15 years or maybe more, many could live out the rest of their lives without any opportunity to become legal residents of this country. And it's kind of very bad situation when you know that there is no other way. You have to, you cannot even leave the country because automatically when they buy a ticket for uh, another country, they will be de- uh, discovered and maybe detained by ICE. And then they will just get 10 years ban for entering the country and maybe forever. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard experience. I think no one wants to have that. And, and do you know someone directly that uh, uh, lived in America in this way? Used to know people who work there illegally in terms of the work and travel program. Some um, program for students, they can go for somewhere in America to work and travel and that's uh, logically it comes from the name and sometimes it happens that they don't like the students don't like the place where they work or they have misunderstanding or the host organization who provides work actually for them uh, is mistreating them it's sometimes really a case and uh, I knew someone who used to live in the shadow but the the key difference from them is that they still have visa. For example, they get visa from June to September and they resign in July. In two months, they're actually they're not supposed to be in the country or they, um, they're not supposed to work. They, cannot, they can leave, they can stay, but they cannot work. And most of them worked illegally in companies who are owned by Russians or Ukrainians or maybe some relatives, some kind of people that they might trust. But there was one story. Uh, my cousin, she had a friend who was in terms of that program in America. And she also resigned in the in middle of July or something in the middle of summer. And she used to work for her uncle, I guess, in company of her uncle. She was Russian. And one day she was discovered uh, working illegally. She was deported and she has a ban for entering the country for 10 years now. Yeah, the, but this too, is the too only strong. Thing. Yeah, Respect but back the practice is too no? strict. Not balanced. Mean. But I'm sure that American border police and Americans are fed up with immigrants because probably they think that actually the concept of America, it's a country of immigrants. Maybe they are tired of more and more people coming because 
now there will be much more competitiveness、mm -hmm. between the people when so many people come, and、uh, there is no not really much. Place for everyone, but I don't know because the quality is different. If you are a doctor、uh, from American family,、They、wealthy,、mm -hmm. yes, and、uh, you're not the same as a person who is coming from Honduras, for example, fleeing from a weaponed conflict, who can barely speak English. Of course, you cannot compare them because the doctor will always have a better life.、Mm -hmm. Due to education and other criteria, but a lot of Americans say they do not support really welcoming immigration policy because they think that those Mexicans would take their workplaces and stuff like that. But I mean, you should look deep into the think into the case because you cannot like how can an engineer. Uh, be replaced with a guy who barely speaks. Sounds like he's 15, came from Mexico, and、um, I mean, you should have critical thinking for that, maybe. But yeah, the problem is that there is no line is available for the mass majority of unauthorized immigrants. And、um, as I said before, immigration to the United States on a temporary or permanent basis is generally limited to three different routes. Which are employment, family reunification, or humanitarian protection. Also, each of these possibilities is highly regulated and subject to numerical limitations and eligibility requirements. The most common thing, what happens, is that those unauthorized immigrants do not have the Necessary family member or employment relationship, or cannot access humanitarian protection, cannot get that you know refugee status, and actually living unauthorized means that no matter how long they have been in the United States, they can be mistreated from the society, from police, and、uh, because they just don't have that legal status, even. Those who pay taxes, work hard, and contribute to their communities have no way to get in line. So there is no line for them. So there is no path to legal status. Sounds a bit, you know, pessimistic, really. I mean, I know people who came to America illegally who initially actually didn't intend to do that, but they decided to stay illegally. And this is their choice. I mean, they knew that they might be discovered. They knew that they might be deported. And if they decided that this is the only way they want to live, I mean, for people fleeing from Colombia or the most dangerous parts of the world, I do understand that. But for some others, maybe it's not always. Equal situation. It's a big form of discrimination. <laughs> yeah, even though there is a family-based immigration, it's still limited to certain close family relationships and numerically restricted. So the U.S. citizens can petition for their spouses, parents, children, and siblings. And lawful permanent residents can petition for their spouses and unmarried children. For all other family categories, there are annual numerical limits. But in all cases, the petitioning family member in the United States must demonstrate an income level above the poverty line and must commit to support the family member they are seeking to bring to the United States. And、um, there are a lot of limitations, even for people who were born in the、uh, United States. It's very complicated. A very complicated process. And、uh, as I mentioned before, employment-based immigration is even harder because if you get a workplace in America and get an American work visa, it means that you're very unique. They have to prove that there is no American working for that, that you're unique, because the priority is that the company hires firstly the Americans and then. The、um, foreigners. The other, okay. Yeah, it's just like in Europe. In Hungary, it's the same actually. 
an overarching problem with America's immigration system uh, is that it assumes that everyone is ineligible to immigrate unless the government grants them permission to do so. A better system would presume all are eligible to immigrate unless the government has a good reason to prevent them from doing so. And this system would be far simpler and focus the government's enforcement apparatus solely on those who either are threats to the property, lives or health of Americans or who cannot support themselves without substantial government assistance. But America is so far from this system right now. So you basically have to prove that you deserve to get that visa. You have to fight for that. I think the very strict embassy is also strict when it comes to security and safety and a lot of papers and when you do interviews. I mean, in Russia, to get American visa, sometimes very stressful. I've seen so many people crying because they couldn't get it and uh, they might never give you the reason why your application was denied, for example. So, So it's tough. But the lottery is very strange because how the lottery works uh, there are criteria parameters or uh, i don't know it's no sense (laughs) Mm, there are some quotas for the countries as well so as i said before in some low immigrant countries quotas are higher so that more people can have this chance actually the process is very simple all you have to do is just uh, fill out a questionnaire kind of upload your picture and uh, wait six months and then you get a result you can check your status but after that once i i I was thinking about it like why not it's just like it will cost me nothing basically it's absolutely for free but another way i realized that when you get this you have one or two years to leave russia in order to enter the USA. And in that time, you have to find job, you have to do a lot of stuff. Basically, it doesn't give you, it it gives you just a green card, but it doesn't give you any funding or money. So if you're uh, broke with a green card, well, I don't know if you're lucky or not, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you have to have at least money for the ticket to fly there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. rent apartment. And if you don't have that, you should take it into consideration if you're if you want to try the green card lottery. But people do that. I mean, a lot of people try. And uh, in documentaries, I've seen people just crossing the border, going on foot through uh, forests, uh, empty places, abandoned places, dangerous places. And they they are there in, in America. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you have to be brave or not that clever enough. I don't know. <laughs> Which is yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. But even in Russia, there are limits now in order to enter the country. Mm, yes. And to stay. But I think the current situation, there is much tension between Russia and the US currently. And for example, all the embassies except for embassy in Moscow are closed. So, and I think... We cannot, nowadays, we cannot even obtain a touristic visa, not only due to COVID restrictions, but also due to those political changes in uh, course, in the political course. And uh, I'm kind of, you know, predicting that it will not get better soon. So some of my friends said that they think it will be no longer possible in the future to get in America just for Russia, maybe for Russians it will be banned or maybe there will be no possibility to get visa. America, I think, is not interested in that many illegal immigrants. Also concerning visas, it's really hard to get because when you apply for a visa, I guess, for work and travel program, then you have to do an interview with an ambassador or like a member of the embassy. And this person can define in 
talking with you if you deserve this visa or not. So if this person is in a good mood, then okay. Not in a good mood, mm -hmm. maybe not. Because I've heard stories. There is like a guy who has been to America for three or four times and he's not really matching the criteria and he gets the visa. And there is a girl who wants to go to that program to work in some place in a hotel, mm -hmm. for example, all the documents, mm -hmm. and she, she nothing. Yeah, she gets just uh, denied. Some Russians, they started, you know, looking for options. One, the most popular was that Russians went to another countries, to Kazakhstan or to Poland or to Czech Republic, booked an appointment with an ambassador there, and um, it was easier than in that case to get visa. But after a while, since I think... 2020 or like late 2020 that was banned because Americans said hey Poland all the Russians who got visa from Poland according to statistics didn't return home like you cannot accept Russians anymore so the participants of the program who wanted to be a part of it and who tried to apply in Warsaw Or in Prague, for example, uh, they got rejected because the people, you know, working in embassy told them, you know what, you have your embassy in Russia and you have to apply there. But basically, it's it doesn't matter. You can apply um, in general. If you're somewhere in the world, if I'm in Hungary, I can apply from here because I'm living here currently. And I think it works almost for any country in the world. But... Or keep an eagle eye on what is it's happening. difficult mm -hmm. because Next. I don't know if it's a um, transparent process for selection, no? And uh, how the people, if are there ways to contrast the decisions and there are legal, I don't know, criteria in order to ask to re reconsider the, the question and the... Uh, It's very good what you said, the word transparent. We don't know. We never know if it's transparent or not. We hope <laughs> this. Yeah. Hope dies last. You know, I think only in uh, Obama's presidency and 2012, I guess, there was a hope for not just for unauthorized immigrants, but specifically for children, special program which is called DACA or longer deferred action for childhood arrivals program it was created in 2012 as a stopgap measure to shield from deportation people who were brought into the United States as children or infants and they didn't have citizenship or legal residency status the protection lasts for two years at a time and is renewable. So you have to do that every two years. But the program does not provide a pathway to citizenship. I've uh, watched an interview with a, an Israeli girl who had those DACA protection and she was so happy about the range of benefits she could finally have because she was born in Israel and uh, I think she was one or two years old when they her parents got um, entered the U.S. and um, along with this permission uh, you can stay in the country and recipients can also get work permits, can obtain health insurance from employers who offer it, and they can finally work legally, not living in the shadow. But it's it's called protection, you know, it's protection from deportation. So it's like you can live next two years with a feeling that you're safe, but Later, you cannot turn it into any kind of status, legal. Okay, you can renew it, but finally, it has nothing to do with citizenship, for example, or any other uh, legal status that you might have. Yeah, it's interesting that the recipients of this program, they are often referred to as dreamers. They are called dreamers. They were called dreamers after a similar piece of legislation called the DREAM Act, which was introduced in 2001 and uh, would have given its beneficiaries a path to American citizenship as well, as well as protection from deportation. And um, on 
average people shielded by DACA are now in their mid-20s. Well, the oldest is maybe uh, in the late 30s, but it, they are young people. As we said before, the vast majority of them were brought to the United States um, from Mexico, from Central, South America, Asia, the Caribbean as well. But the threat for people who have this DACA status now, DACA protection, is that the um, current administration, Biden administration, labeled it as unlawful. So there is now a court, there is now trial going on, and the court must rule if this legislation, this program is lawful or unlawful. So it means that the fate of many dreamers is in limbo and I think they will be affected also by any in any case by the outcome of this trial. I strongly believe that children should not be involved in any kind of crime, violence and I know that most of the parents coming into the US just like in case of this Israeli girl they were escaping from war from that Israeli Palestine uh, conflict and they sought for a better safe place in the world and they we can serious reasons no? yeah i mean as people we can understand them because they are in this case refugees but they the people cannot always prove that they're refugees. Or another case, Mexico is a very criminal country. How can you let all Mexicans to come to the United States? I mean, there is, I think, no possibility to welcome them all. And it's also the problem. And I think it can be solved if the life in Mexico would be better, better paid, more secure, safer place. So it's not only that you build a wall, just like Trump (laughs) did, Mm -hmm. um, and you think that the problem doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not your country, but it's your neighbor, and you have to deal with this as well. And uh, Canada, for example, has a special system which gives points. And from that points, you can be counted as eligible or not eligible to enter the country. But you, I think in that case, people have more options. It's a hot debate, especially recent years in Trump, under Trump administration. I'm sure there are some organizations or people who advocate rights of those unauthorized people and immigrants. We said, we mentioned there is a ICE which is from government. So it, its purpose is to detect and detain and deport immigrants. But are there any other organizations or people who protect those poor people? Yes, I can um, speak about this. And uh, yes, I would like to um, remember that people that comes from uh, the central part of, of America are not uh, criminal, no? And for example, during the um, for year of uh, the Trump administration, maybe it was usual no? to criminalize uh, uh, American migrants. And uh, talking about Trump, uh, he didn't get the permission from the North American Congress to complete the wall along the border. But it was successful to transform Mexico into a wall that rejects Central American immigration to the north. At the same time, in Mexico City, police arrested Irineo Mujica, the director of the group U.S.-Mexico Migrant, Hide Pueblo Sin Fronteras, People Without Borders, and Cristobal Sanchez, activist for the rights of migrants. Pueblo Sin Fronteras has accompanied the annual caravans through Mexico for several years with the aim of defending the rights of migrants and protecting them by criminals and corrupt officials who, along the route of almost 4,000 kilometers, plundered the lone travelers through kidnapping, extortion and other forms of uh, assault. An attempt of criminalization of an NGO accused of supporting human trafficking 
and caravans of migrants, similar to the one carried out by the Italian authorities against NGOs operating ships that save migrants fleeing Libya to reach Europe at sea. And also the caravan of The Caravan of Mothers uh, is a group of Central American mothers who every year travels throughout Mexico in search of children disappeared. Mm. Uh, it calculated that uh, in the last 10 years, there are at least uh, 120,000 migrants uh, disappeared. Mm. It's very, very, very sad, <laughs> this part. You never know how difficult it is for other people to live until you get to that point and prepare a program about it and watch several documentaries. But yeah, people are missing and experiencing not the best things and conditions they're usually kept. And imagine how scared you might be in order to agree to cross the border where you might be killed or kidnapped or raped and you still want to do that because you see your target like you want a better life i can understand and um, thank you to those uh, organizations attorneys lawyers who uh, can protect uh, families and help them reunite after trump's zero tolerance policy yes. who believe that um, moral and ethical reasons or motivations are uh, Most important no, than uh, economical or other kind of uh, motivations. Of course, I can understand that they want to select only better people. They, they don't want to have criminals in the country. I do understand. And I think it was emphasized in every interview, I think, of every president since 2001 that they need, they want families reasons, yeah even. like they don't need criminals but they need families and they are ready to find you know balance in the society and the policy as well and that people could live quite freely till that zero tolerance um policy and um i do understand that it's not an easy thing to separate bad from good you know in this program i also wanted to mention which paths would allow to get to become a citizen of the United States. But then I decided it's a very, actually not long list, but there are so many criteria that you should meet in order to be a citizen, to get the citizenship. And honestly, the, the easiest one is to marry someone uh, mm -hmm. or to be born there, actually. To be a part of military service, actually, it's also possible. It's one of the ways. But basically, I think it has so many details. So every case is unique. And if you guys want to migrate uh, to uh, the U.S., you should contact a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Because so much, uh, so many details, so much information found on the Internet, you can really get lost in that. The, I think this discussion gave us food for thought and uh, it's not an easy topic as I thought initially mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. that's true we have to know these aspects because they are real mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we can see them every day if, if you know if you yeah know. I mean American lifestyle is so much affected by Mexican culture as well because of The families, Mexican families living there, South uh, American families living there. So, yeah, it's something we cannot ignore. But, you know, you never have a deep look into that because I don't face it every day. I'm living so much far away from uh, America and I'm not really interested in, you know, American lifestyle and society because... It's not my target. And mm -hmm. basically, sometimes you think, I don't care about immigrants. I mean, it doesn't matter for me because I'm living somewhere in, in Hungary, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so why should I care about uh, Mexican immigrants in America? But as you said, showing the solidarity to people who live in different uh, conditions. Yeah, yes. we're all humans. And, and I think that um, this... Uh, question these problems is um, to be care for uh, America because America has relationship with all the world yeah. so 
Okay, maybe another solution we can suggest the Congress that they just accept Mexico as the next state of the USA. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's just a bad joke. Okay, whatever. Um, But we hope with the Biden administration, maybe the the work will be better. No. Yeah, maybe they change something in their foreign policy as well. This is not the only program we're talking about America. In our next uh, world politics program, we're talking about America, Russia and China in particular in terms of new space race. For me, it, it was very interesting and I have a lot of uh, materials in order to maybe apply study. and uh, mm-hmm. you know. So I hope we gave a very overarching overview to this topic and uh, discuss not only negative but also positive aspects of living in the USA and maybe uh, Mm -hmm. migrating there and uh, maybe for some of you it will be that thing that brings you to the senses when you consider going or migrating to the US. So today in the studio, we're with you, Sasha and Francesca. We really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you, you too. And we are glad to see you next time in our, in our next World Politics Show, Tuesday from 10 to 12 on Mushtar FM 89.6. Have a nice day and thank you. Bye.